Good morning and welcome to this episode of Inside the Vault. Today, we're excited to have UMB's Mike Huseman. Mike serves as UMB's Senior VP, Director of the Transfer Agency. UMB is a service-first approach supported by streamlined execution. UMB Fund Services is a national leader in registered and alternative investment fund services with decades of experience, their credentialed team and robust technology platforms help you navigate today's asset servicing challenges. And that's a little bit of a mouthful there, Mike. We are, I'm looking forward to hearing more about that. Welcome and thank you for joining us on uh, Inside the Vault today. Great, uh, awesome to be here, Stacy. Appreciate the privilege just to speak with you guys and uh, look forward to this discussion. Great. Well, let's let's go ahead and jump right in. I, I guess, Mike, behind the scenes, uh, 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 may you say, even even in this uh, pandemic that we're in, the industry, maybe because of the pandemic, the industry is racing to bring out new product ideas uh, to the market. Uh, and uh, slow approvals don't mean that there's not a lot going on behind the scenes. Uh, so we we know that you guys have uh, uh, the, your finger on the pulse of what's happening behind the scenes with product sponsors and what product sponsors should be thinking about. So with that in mind, uh, in your transfer agency role, you see new products coming uh, out to the market. What's the activity level like in the COVID economy right now? Well, great question, Stacy, and, and something we've noticed and, and we probably noticed since probably March, probably into April timeframe, is you're not seeing a lot of new products introduced in the industry right now. That doesn't mean they're not being worked on. It just means they're not completely rolling out. And it attributed to a few things, you know, one, um, you know, no secret, we're all working differently. You know, uh, come March, a lot of us started working from home, out of our home offices, a lot of the procedures have changed. So, so that's, you know, caused some of the, the slowdown in the products coming out. But a few of the other factors into this is just the regular uh, regulations and regulatory approval. Um, those have been impacted by COVID as well. You know, they're working from home. Mm. Um, things don't move through the process as well as they used to before. They're just slowed down because the process has been interrupted some. And I'd say the other part of it is just, you know, people are stepping back going, what does the new economy look like? What is the world gonna look like? And some of the products that people were constructing say a year ago, may not fit in this new environment. You, you look at products around you know, retail and, and uh, commercial business. Those are not as popular right now because we're trying to figure out what does the new norm gonna look like? Um, where do we invest money? What are people gonna be excited and comfortable investing their money with? And it's probably different than it was a year ago at this time. So I guess there's, uh, there, there may be a lot of conversation behind the scenes but since no one has the full confidence yet of knowing exactly what we need to do, so they're not really launching new products. They're waiting, they, they need more information before they launch new products, new ideas, new structures, that sort of thing. I, I think that's accurate. And I also think people are being uh, more creative. Um, you're starting to hear of products that, you know, are, are more carbon focused, you know, carbon reduction footprint. Um, things like environmental issues, uh, products around, you know, cryptocurrency, products around cell towers. You know, if you go back 10 years ago, it was uh, 
apartments and business uh, strip malls. And today people are stepping back going, you know what, let's, let's get a little more specialized. Let's get topics or products that people are really passionate about that they'll invest their money, that they can get good returns on that are different than just, you know, the, the me too that we have one just like the, the other product sponsors. Being creative and trying to develop products that, you know, will excite the investor to invest, you know, their, their life savings or their retirement into these types of products. Yeah, we, we had a couple guests on uh, last week talking about the cell towers, also the data centers. And, and we, we made the comment that, uh, uh, you know, it's interesting, um, as bad as it was with people trying to get toilet paper, what, what if they, did, they, they couldn't use their cell phone? So if it weren't for the cell towers, people couldn't use the cell phone. So that's, that's really becoming more of a mainstream now, a mainstream type of investment. Uh, strategy. What other innovations are you seeing behind the scenes? Uh, investment strategies, it could be structures or structures changing? I think, I think the other part you're seeing is just the approach to new products. You know, we talked a little bit about um, the type of sectors or the type of focus that they're investing in, but I also think just the strategy overall is changing. You go back, you know, five, ten years ago, it was not uncommon to see a REIT product with, you know, say 40,000, 50,000 investors. In it. And those were a large pool of assets uh, investing in real estate. Today, you're seeing a different trend. You're seeing a little more boutique types investing where you're seeing smaller products of, of, that may max out at 5,000 investors or 10,000 investors, but a lot smaller footprint and, and very focused on what they're doing. So that, that's a different strategy. And then as you think about how they're rolling these out, a lot of them are starting out as a private placement. They're kind of testing the waters a little bit and then they're growing. And as they grow that product out of a private placement, they may turn into a REIT or an interval fund. But to start out, rather than just you know, go big and hope it works, they're kind of you know, stepping into the water, testing out a little bit, moving things around with a, with a smaller shareholder base and a smaller asset base just to see you know, what's working, what's not working before you just dive in the deep end and, and hope you're you know, successful. Yeah, that's interesting to me. I've kind of wondered uh, uh, why you've seen that trend. Is, is some of it because it's just less expensive to roll out a smaller private than a, than a large publicly traded or uh, non-traded but uh, public REIT? Is it just less expensive? There's less risk to the product sponsor? I think it is less expensive, but, but I also think you know, you're getting the larger investors at, at more of a private placement. So then when you roll it out to learn, you know, more people, they're more confident. There's more people in it. They already see it. People have invested in it. So maybe a smaller investor is going to jump in a product after it's matured, after a lot of the larger investors have, have pumped some money into it, and it's performing. And then the confidence is there, the performance is there, and then it's more appealing to, you know, more of a, an average investor who doesn't quite have the million dollars to plug into it, but maybe, you know, $50,000 or $25,000 you're going to draw those people in as where an introductory product, they may be a little bit more reserved or concerned about, you know, putting that money in because they don't have the pool of assets that some of the large investors do. Right. And I guess from an advisor standpoint, they feel a lot more comfortable putting their investor in something that's not really a blind pool. That's always kind of been an issue, but they, they kind of made an exception to that with the, uh, the larger product sponsors who launch these REITs, but it, it is a safer thing to do. 
uh, and it, it does make sense. It seems like that's a, somewhat of a, a little bit, bit of a new trend. So from the, the, from the product sponsor's perspective, Mike, um, how are they working through product development, uh, the approvals process, getting approvals uh, with the regulatory agencies, also possibly even with uh, broker dealers, uh, with selling agreements? How has that all changed in the last six to seven months? And do you see that continuing through the end of the year? Probably something I've seen is a lot more homework up front. Um, you know, I would say in the past, people, you know, they, they build a product, they write it down, they introduce it, comes back from uh, regulations with, you know, change this, change that, I question this. So I think, you know, because you don't have as many chances to go get it approved, you want to get it right the first time. So a lot of the things I'm experiencing and the people we're talking to is, we're doing a lot of more upfront homework. And I would say if you look at maybe the product life cycle, we're walking through that now long before it's even introduced to be approved, just you know, very detailed of how would this work? How would that work? If there's a redemption program, how would we function? If there's a commission schedule, what does that look like? And really stepping back and, and you know, all getting at the table going, does this work for all parties? Is this gonna work for the transfer agent? Is it going to work for the, the sponsor? Is it going to work for the distribution agent? Is this, is this model going to work for us? And, you know, every product is a little unique, but, but you don't want to introduce something that's so crazy that it adds a lot of risks to it. So it, it's mitigating the risk side of it. And then, you know, part of what, you know, we've all been on this, this march to get rid of paper and, and paper apps. That's something that's been in the industry for a while. But now that we're working from home, and moving paper through a mail center and getting wet signatures, all that is very difficult and painful right now. So it definitely emphasizes the fact that we need to get to a digital environment. So as we're talking about how do we do these straight through processes and how do we put that in the project life cycle, all that is being discussed right now that, you know, will a wet signature work here? And if it doesn't, um, can we do a, an e-signature? And, and all those discussions are happening up front so by the time they get approval and they roll out the product, it, it's, it's a solid, ready to go, turn it on and let's, let's make this thing work for them. Well, I, I guess one thing then that uh, this pandemic has done is it's allowed the industry to kind of slow down, do their homework, uh, don't launch into something so quickly, which is typically what they want to do. They're trying to get it out quickly because they, they need to raise the capital for it. Um, so this maybe has caused us to take a little step back and uh, maybe even entertain some ideas about how we can make the structure better, not just the structure, but the process, the overall process. And I know digital is, is a large part of the conversation and that's what you and your team uh, do. I guess uh, you say fortunately or unfortunately, this pandemic has caused all of us to say, you know what, uh, we've been talking about this forever, now is the time. We've got to move more to a digital, which is what you were just talking about. So um, very interesting. On that note, and, and I'd like your comments on that, but on that note, how is UMB building on what you're known for? The, the integral funds, the hedge products, the private equity, other areas in the, in the landscape. What, what's it looking like at UMB today? And, and what are you in particularly working on right now? Well, what we're doing right now is that one, um, you know, we're meeting with a lot of prospects and our expertise um, really plays into what we're trying to do. 
uh, as, as the bank and, and trying to build a transfer agency that that isn't a cookie cutter approach to everything. You know, these products, they are unique. There are things you do that are best practices. You know, that's how you do it. That's how it works. But you can't put everything in a box to make it work. And what we're doing is we're working with our sponsors. We're talking about the things we can do to help them make their product unique, but yet also not introduce a bunch of risks to it. So we're focused on that. And where we fit in is we, we can bring in the custodial side, the escrow side, transfer agency. We can put all of that on the table and really work through front to back, beginning to end the process that helps the sponsors figure it out. And, you know, our goal is to build a solution that's a straight through solution. Um, you know, if we can do that, we get our costs down, which then, you know, passes on to the sponsors, which these products that are being introduced, you know, it's a tough road. And, and you, if you're saddled with a bunch of expenses up front, uh, that's going to make it a little more difficult to be successful. So our goal is to, you know, let's build processes that work. Um, quality is, you know, the number one thing we bake into all of it, but then efficiency is followed right after that. And if we can do that, it keeps our costs down, which we can then pass on to the, the sponsors and ultimately to the investors. So that's our focus right now. And uh, you know, we've, We've spent probably the last four or five months uh, on some very detailed phone calls with some of these prospects walking through their products and, and not just listening, but offering advice. And, and it's been a very good constructive uh, couple months with some of these folks because it is, everyone's listening. Everyone has the same goals and um, we're not order takers, but we want to listen. We want to add, you know, our advice and things we've learned over the last you know, 20, 30 years how can we help them be successful? And that's where I think you and Leroy excels right now. So uh, did I hear you correctly? But so you can be, you can be the transfer agent solution, but you can also be the custodian solution and everything in between for the product sponsor. Yeah, the value we have, we're the bank. So we control the escrow part of it. We control custodial. So we, we have a lot, we have more pieces we can bring to the solution than, than some of the other transfer agencies out there. Okay. And uh, yeah, so I know you're talking the product sponsors tune when you're talking about lowering the cost, building some efficiencies there, uh, because it is very expensive uh, to do these things. And, and you mentioned, you know, one of the things we're focused on, you know, you're never standing still. You're continually reinventing yourself, looking at new ideas, looking at new technology. You know, the pandemic has brought up the mail center to us. We really need to get our mail down. And, and we've seen the trend since March. Um, we used to get about half of our applications were mail and about half of them were email and fax. And that has now shifted to about 75-25. So it's moving that way. So you're more to a digital footprint right now. But now to take that, put it in and harvest the data out of that and then do straight through processing, that's our focus. So if we can put some OCR technology in it for the things that are paper that we haven't quite got away from, and we're always going to have paper, but I think that'll go smaller. And then on the other side of it is really promote, you know, point-to-point -point solutions to where you're getting digital handoffs through APIs, um, you know, so you're, you're working with account onboarding firms, you're working with sponsors, you're working with the, the broker-dealer community, and when you can just hand data back and forth to each other, you know, that's the model we want to be in, and, and that's where things really start clicking, and, you know, you eliminate a lot of the downtime, and you improve your quality and your straight through process is, is just the result of, of all those efforts all put together. Well, that's great to hear. And we're, uh, we're grateful that uh, you and UMB are in the space 
uh, to help generate new ideas, new, build new efficiencies for the alternative investments arena. So uh, Mike, this has been great. Thank you for your time today. Uh, we appreciate you joining us. I hope you'll come back again and, and do it with us uh, soon. If, if someone is listening uh, today that wants to know more about UMB's fund services, more about what you do, how can they do that? You know, just reach out to, to us, uh, umb.com. Um, if you go out there, you'll see my name on it. Send me an email. Um, but happy to talk to you, work with you. Um, just, you know, a good discussion. Just give us a call, talk about what you're looking at. We'd be happy just to sit down and, and you know, have a good constructive WebEx, if you will, and just talk about what's out there, what options, what we're learning, what you might see, and, and just see if there's some opportunities there. But I, I also appreciate the opportunity to talk to you, Stacey. Uh, it's always great working with Blue, Blue Vault and uh, look forward to working with you in the future, and uh, we're excited you and be can be part of this. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate that very much. Um, well, for our audience, that's going to do it for this episode of Inside the Vault. We appreciate you joining us again today, and we hope that you'll join us again next time. And that'll do it. Have a great day.